0: Hey, so that opening line, I don't know if you heard it. Uh, Welcome to your life, there's no turning back. This is, a, this is a, an interesting song because it's this very upbeat, kind of poppy tune, but the words have something very distinctive to say to us. And so we're going to dive into that a little bit this morning. In 1985, for those of you who weren't born or for those of you who might have forgotten this particular year, Uh, There were a few things happening in the world. The Cold War was still happening. And even though it might not have been uh, at the forefront of everybody's minds, we were still learning how to hide under our desks in elementary school. Anybody else have to do that? Yeah, yeah. I lived in a town that had a bunch of uh, defense contractor uh, factories in it. And so we learned how to hide from atomic bombs. I don't think that that was very effective, uh, but we were learning about that. Um, Politics were messy. Coke tried to change its, uh, its recipe. Anybody remember New Coke? Yeah, yeah. I just went to the Coke Museum a couple weeks ago in Atlanta. Had no idea I was going to be talking about this and all that. I found out everything I never wanted to know about New Coke. It was great. <laughs> Apparently, it was very traumatic. I don't know. Uh, the Unabomber actually popped up on the scene and started sending uh, explosive packages to college campuses, which was very scary. Uh, AIDS became a household conversation. 1985 was really the beginning of the broader conversation of what was happening around that. And as it can do, music tried to speak into the world and talk about these things that were happening in life. So this song, like I said, very upbeat, was very poppy, very good melodies. Uh, If you go to YouTube, there are a ton of videos about why this song is so influential and why people love it so much and why it just seems to be so ingrained in our DNA of who we are as a culture. Um, And that was pretty interesting to watch some of that because it's things that you don't think about when you think about what you're listening to in your music. But the number one thing that everybody talked about was this contrast between the music and what was being talked about in the lyrics. So it's expressing... A frustration with the world around them. I mean, even the title, Everybody Wants to Rule the World, it's like, well, yeah, everybody wants to rule the world, but it's kind of that tongue-in-cheek, like, nobody's really up to this task, are they? And that's really the question that the song is asking. Who is up to being the one in charge of the world? Uh, welcome to your life. There's no turning back. Are you even ready To be the ruler of your own life, let alone everyone else's life. So it caught and it went straight to number one in the United States. It actually, uh, when it was first created, these guys weren't even interested in recording this song, which, by the way, is like, if you read about number one songs, this is a very common thing where they're like, this wasn't really one of our favorites, and somehow it goes to number one. And it's not really a one hit wonder. Shout by Tears for Fears. Everybody heard of that? Mad World. There's some other good ones in there. They were pretty good, but this was definitely their most popular song and definitely made a huge splash on the scene. There are over 140 uh, remakes of this on Spotify, so if you need to find a different version, Lord, uh, yeah, there's a bunch of them. Uh, Weezer just did one. If you're a Weezer fan, you can check that out. Yeah, it's good times. They're like the kings of covers now all of a sudden. I don't understand, but that is what it is. So the problem with the song, though, it's very popular. It presents all of these issues, but it doesn't give us any answers. Just look at this verse. It's my own design. It's my own remorse. Help me to decide. I'm not going to sing it for you. Help me make the most of freedom and of pleasure Nothing ever lasts forever. I mean, that's pretty bleak. It's my own design. It's my own remorse. Nothing ever lasts forever. There is not a whole lot to be found in this song that's going to give you hope if you are a person in 1985 looking out on the landscape of your life and thinking about what this all means. It reminds me of, uh, of a passage in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. History merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say, here's something new, but actually it is old. Nothing is ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past, and in future generations, no one will remember what we are doing now. I mean, this is in the Bible. That's a little bit like, "Woo! all right, all right, maybe... Tears for fears were channeling Ecclesiastes when they were writing this and looking around and thinking, where is my hope? Earlier in Ecclesiastes, the author claims that wisdom and striving and and working is all meaningless. It's pretty close to what we hear here. Get what you can for your own life because everyone else is after the same thing. And so that's it. That's all there is. Don't worry about consequences. It won't matter. Nobody will remember anyway. That's all there is. It seems, when we put it that starkly, pretty short-sighted. Seems pretty short-sighted. Seems pretty hopeless. Which is exactly the opposite of what we have as Christians, right? It should be exactly the opposite of who we are as Christians. I think maybe we've maybe lost some sight of that. So I want to encourage you this morning and let you know that everybody wants to rule the world, but that doesn't have to be the answer to our questions. So we're going to take a look in the Bible. If you have your phone or your tablet, uh, you can join us on YouVersion. Go to Genesis or go to events and uh, go to Genesis. You can also uh, open up your Bible if you've got one with you, and uh, we're going to be taking a look first at Psalm 128, and I just want to tell you one thing about this. So the Psalms all have different purposes, there's a ton of them, so they all have these different things going on. The Psalm that we're going to look at today is actually a song. It is a song that people would sing, and they would sing it on their way to go visit Jerusalem when they lived far away. So let's take a look at Psalm 128 first. It says, How joyful are those who fear the Lord! All who follow his ways, you will enjoy the fruit of your labor. How joyful and prosperous you will be. Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine flourishing within your home. Your children will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. What a great picture, huh? (laughs) That is the Lord's blessing for those who fear him. May the Lord continually bless you from Zion. May you see Jerusalem prosper as long as you live. May you live to enjoy your grandchildren. May Israel have peace. So as I said, uh, people would be traveling back to Jerusalem to visit the temple. They'd be going there to, to festivals and to holidays and to celebrate what God had been doing and what God had done in their past. These were often people who had been Israelites who lived there who ended up having to move further away for different reasons. Or it was people who had converted to become uh, to, to live in Judaism, and so then they would come back to Jerusalem to celebrate. So they didn't live there; they had to travel in order to meet with their God. But they would do this, and they would do it willingly. And they would travel, and they would go in the hopes that God was going to do something in their lives when they went to Jerusalem. They went in the hope that they were going to meet with the creator of the universe. This is just, it's an amazing thing to think that they didn't get to go, I live two blocks from here. I I can go two blocks to church every week. Sometimes these people would come once in their lifetime. Sometimes they would come just a very few times a year because they lived so far away. This was a very significant journey for them. And this song they would sing along the way because they wanted to prepare their hearts. They knew that they were going to be visiting the Creator, and it meant that they needed to be ready. They also need to be reminded that this journey was worth it. Because can you imagine trucking your kids and your donkey and your whatever you were bringing to sacrifice to God, sheep, goats, doves, whatever? you got to pack all this junk with you and drag it along with you to Jerusalem. I think two or three days into that trip, I'd be saying, whoa, I need some fruitful labor, God, because this is not going well right now. The kids have run off. The donkey is in the stream. I'm done. I'm finished. I don't want to walk anymore. (laughs) I would need to prepare my heart. I need to prepare my heart after two blocks, let me tell you, because sometimes 32nd Street can be chaos. So contrary to the hopelessness of Tears for Fears, the people of God were traveling in celebration. It didn't matter what was going on in the world around them. They understood the reason for their existence was to be in this place with their God in this moment. That's amazing. What an incredible picture of what was going through their minds as they sang this song as they looked forward to the future. Instead of saying, it doesn't matter, they understood that God was pulling them close because it did matter, precisely mattered. They didn't work in vain. When we believe in God, it's not just the end of the story. When we get that picture of heaven and we think about what heaven is and what that does to us, That is not the end. It's just the beginning of our story with God. It's just the start of our life and our hope for the future, for all of our futures, a future where we participate and do the good that God has expected and promised would be a part of our our future. I want to look at Ephesians 2. See, in this, Paul recognizes that God is calling us to something. He doesn't just say, believe in me, and that's it. I want you to see the promises that he's making here. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. You see that? Already he's saying, God can point to us in the future. Us, all of us. It is not hopeless. You are not forgotten, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He didn't save us for nothing, He didn't save us to sit on the sidelines and watch somebody else do this job. He saved us for a reason, because you have a purpose, because there is a point to all of this. Far from hopeless, far from hopeless, you and I are the hope of a world yet to come. Do you believe that this morning? I mean, that, that opening line of the song, Welcome to your life. There is no turning back. If you look at it from the perspective of that song, it says, welcome to your life. You might as well dig in because there ain't nothing else. But when we think about it from the perspective of what God is saying to us here, he says, welcome to this life. There is a point. There is joy in what's coming. You have so many reasons to be here and to be doing this, and to be a part of this. The problem is we have to choose to participate. And if you're like me, the choosing to participate sometimes is the hard part. It can be tough. It doesn't say in any of these passages, kick back, relax, take it easy. God's got it under control. He does have it under control. But he wants us to be the ones who are out there spreading his hope, who are participating in what he's doing. Our world today isn't really that different from 1985 if we look around, right? Still kind of at war with the Russians, maybe. I don't know. We we don't really know what's going on there sometimes. Uh, Diseases complicating everyday life. Fighting over political and social ideologies. Worst of all, we don't see a lot of hope. And maybe maybe we don't see a lot of hope from others like us. Maybe we don't see a lot of hope from other Jesus followers. I think sometimes in the church, we're so busy trying to figure out how to spin the bad and, and, and mitigate the, the, the difficulties that we're having in our lives that we lose sight of this hope. We lose sight that, that, that more than just watching from the sidelines. We're supposed to be participating, partially for our own good. In the the late 90s, I was getting ready to graduate high school. And about two weeks before, uh, before that happened, I got called into the assistant principal's office. And if I'm honest, I wasn't really surprised that this was coming. My junior and senior year of high school, I'd kind of been on this path of uh, (laughs) self-destruction, really, and uh, so I I showed up, and I kind of had a good idea what was going on, but my parents were there, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to go well, and uh, (laughs) the assistant principal proceeded to tell me that I would not be participating in graduation with my class, and it was a moment in time that I don't think I'll ever forget, you know, it's just one of those moments where you're like, (laughs) welcome to my life, (laughs) there's no turning back. The choices had been made. The damage was done. I didn't have a good relationship with my parents. We still lived in the same house, but functionally, we just didn't even talk. Nobody cared anymore, and it's not, it's not all their fault. Uh, we, we've talked about it in the years since, and we've reconciled, and all those things are good now, but, but I was doing as much damage as I could. Uh, because I was hurt and I was broken. And so I came to this point in my life and I was like, well, I don't know what else is going to happen here. So I had to sign up for summer school and, and I did all that and, uh, and passed my class by the skin of my teeth, did just enough work to skate through and got my diploma. So that was, that was pretty exciting. But my parents and I had agreed that, that we were not going to have any kind of celebration because they didn't feel like a whole lot to celebrate. It just felt like going out with a whimper instead of celebration. And something pretty incredible happened in my life Uh, in late July. My my grandma and my youth leaders threw me a graduation party behind my back. Yeah. (laughs) It was a moment where all these people gathered around and said, you are more than that meeting that said that you're not going to graduate. And they spoke God's truth into my life, and they believed things about me and in me that I couldn't see and didn't understand and have come true, and I have been blown away by the way that God has worked through that. I didn't think I was going to get that emotional today. I've talked about this story before. See, what my grandma understood in that moment was that she needed to participate in what God was doing in my life. What my youth leaders understood in that moment, what my church understood that day was that they were the ones who were going to see me through. You know, it was, uh, it was a bittersweet day because I looked around and I realized, like, I'm a making a mess of my life, and I don't know what's going to happen from here on out. Um, fortunately, God has done some amazing things, and I haven't always gotten it right, but that day was, was a propellant for me to become uh, the guy that I am today. I look at so much that's happened in my life, and I can tie it back to the people who were there that day and who spoke to me and told me um, who God was in my life when I didn't believe it yet. I knew who God was, but I just didn't see how he was holding me up there. See, I want to give you a concrete example of what I think is happening here. I stole this from my daughter. You'll see why I tell you that in a moment. It's beautiful, huh? It's great. It's a very nice little parasol. So imagine I'm standing here in a blinding rainstorm, and I'm looking for some shelter, and I pop this bad boy up, right? Okay? Things are going okay. We're doing all right, all right? Um, I've got me pretty much... I'm okay, all right? All right? So in Everybody Wants to Rule the World, this is the hope of the future, right? This is what they're talking about. When, When... Everybody's out for only their own thing. This is all you get. And all the poppy, upbeat uh, music in the world doesn't change the fact that this is the only hope when we live that way. The Song of Ascent begins to say, hey, no, 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 there's more to it than that. Uh, You know, it's not just about you. So we need to start to think about this in a little bit broader terms. So I brought my my golf umbrella with me today. And here is where life lives when we see Psalm 128. Because now the blessings of God are coming into my life, and they're not just about me. There's room for more people under my umbrella. The blessings that pour out don't just cover me. They cover my family. They begin to cover the other people that I meet. They begin to show me what's possible in God's kingdom when I listen, when I believe, and when I move out, knowing that he's given me purpose. I want to also show you this. In, uh, in Mark, there's a story about Jesus, and it says that Jesus is ready, getting ready to go on a trip. He's on the road already. He's ready to head out of town. And this guy comes to him and he says, Jesus, wait, before you go, I just need to know something. i got to have some hope here. Uh, Tell me what I need to do to be with you in heaven. And Jesus is like, all right, here's the Ten Commandments, here's the Law and Prophets, do all of those things and you're good to go. The guy goes, great, I'm doing it, I'm there. And Jesus stops and looks at him and the scripture says, that he loves him. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. You may have heard this story. You may know the outcome, that the young man goes away sad because he was very rich, and he wasn't prepared to follow Jesus in that way. God asks hard things of us when we say we put our trust in Him. He does. Sometimes we sugarcoat that, and we can't. God asks us to give. God asks us to move beyond hopeless living, to live hopefully and with purpose and for other people. Our culture doesn't offer us anything like the hope that Jesus offers us. The culture of 1985 didn't offer us any kind of hope because we're still living in it. We're in the thick of it here at Genesis. I, I don't know how many of you know, we're, we're we're living in difficult times. If you've been around teenagers in the last couple of years, uh, you understand that, that the the events that have transpired over the last few years have done some harm to our kids and to our teenagers. They have. Life is tough. We have four main priorities here at Genesis. Follow Jesus, connect with others, invest in the next generation, and impact the world. We live in this building here, Where we're on this half, and it's easy to forget what happens on the other half. Well, we have this amazing teen center that every single day of the week is full of kids who are lost and alone. They're confused, they're broken. They just want to see a smiling face, someone who cares. So for two hours a week on Wednesday nights, we spend time here with teenagers. And uh, most of the time, it's the joy of my week because I get to run around and play games and have fun and do all this crazy stuff. And then I get to tell them that God loves them dearly. He cares so much about who they are. And he sees who they are and where they are and that they're important and that they're valued. And I have a few volunteers who are here with me and we get to be a part of that. We get to hear about their lives. We get to be involved in who they are and what they're going to do into the future. And it's important. This gives us hope. It gives me hope as an adult because I know and I believe that since that day at my graduation party, that this is what God has called me to do. I think God has that thing for you too. I believe it with all my heart. I believe that God has called us to important, impactful things. I think we got to step up. I think we need to be doing those things. Not just... For everybody else. I'm not talking about being sacrificial just so that you can go on Facebook and say, look at all the things I do. Look at all the ways I give. It's not what it's about. I think that our relationship with God will never be deeper than those moments when we are in relationship with someone else who needs us to show up. It will never be more real to you who Jesus is in your life than the moment that you sit with someone else and hear about their life and get to to tell them who God is and who God is in their life and the way that God has created them to be exactly the person they are, even in the midst of their mess and their ugliness and their broken life, that God is at work because God is surely at work in us how joyful and prosperous you will be. Don't forget this psalm says, how joyful and prosperous you will be when you are at work in the kingdom. This is what God is calling us to. This, these are the things that God calls us to. I hope today that you believe that Jesus came and he lived and he died and he rose again just for you. But even more than that, I hope that you know that Jesus came so that you might have a reason to get up tomorrow morning and to go to work and to do that work to the best of your ability because someone in your office or in your factory or in your school might need to know that God cares about them. And they're going to see that in you and know that's who you are. How joyous and prosperous you will be when you participate in the kingdom that is already at work in your life and the life of people around you. God, this morning we come to you confessing that there are ways that we miss what you're doing in our lives. That we miss the ways that your kingdom is at work in us and in the people around us. But we are so grateful, God, that you choose us every day. You continue to choose us. You continue to show us that what we do and who we are, it matters. It matters not just for us. These blessings, that, that these things that you do in our lives, they're not just for us. They're to grow our families. They're to grow our community. They're to show others that you really do care about the world around us. God, this morning, I pray that we would have a renewed commitment to that that we would understand that you have called us to live in such a way that we can be joyous and prosperous no matter our circumstances we see the world doesn't change very much god but neither do you and you are still at work here among us thank you for that jesus